we lovingly dissect the best and the worst of 90s teen horror. I'm Heather Parry and here is my co-host Kirsty Logan. And today, fuck it, we've got wine. Hang on. Cheers, cheers. Because let's just, let's just do it. Why were you just doing a weird fisting thing? Mm, <laughs> it's my personal business. <laughs> today, we... I love how you're not even going to explain that. You were just doing some weird stretchy thing with your just fists. what I'm doing. It's just what's happening. I don't need to explain myself to you or anyone. I've got wine. Fuck you. Um, God, I'm a monster. <laughs> yes, I've been trying to tell you. <laughs> I'm a booze monster. I've literally had like three sips of wine. <laughs> okay, so today we are getting unleashed. Well, Point you are unleashed. <laughs> and we are going to the House of Bones. House of Bonus. House of Boners, so... Can we just talk about how good Bonus is as a surname? Yeah, it's an unusual one. I've never heard that before. Um, And it's from 1998, and it's by Graham Masterton. Now, tell me about this cover, because this is a choice. I was just going to look at whether Point Horror Unleashed was only available in the UK. I mean, they're definitely UK writers. Right. But I don't know if they were available in the US or not. Um, This person's got very good dental work. Yeah, isn't it lovely? Which makes me think they're American. Um, <laughs> no, they're not fake enough to look to be American. That's true. But okay, yeah, it doesn't say. But I think they were just British available because, I mean, it, this is one of the most British things that's ever existed. It's, do you know what, my, you know how we normally have the American things section? I'm doing a British things section and it is long. It is good as well, I'm sure. It doesn't say anything about when it's first published in the US. Mm, so maybe not. So maybe for our American listeners, they haven't got a fucking clue what we're talking about. Brand new information. So okay, the tell me about this cover. Hmm. Oh, I've just realised that's bricks. I thought that was a spider's web. So that would make sense. I, I know. You can imagine my confusion. <laughs> um, so this is a white cover, and on it there's yet another electric blue debossed metallic mm-hmm. thing. Gonna I really hope I'm using down the word to electric blue font. Yep, I'm going to have some more wine now. Um, mm-hmm. Okay, so I'm going to hope I'm using the word debossed correctly. I'm sure there's some I don't see why not. I think it must be. Um, and so it's a white background, unusual. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've got someone's face, very good teeth, um, nice skin, mm-hmm. blue eyes, screaming. That's the problem. And she's kind of at a Dutch angle, so kind of like oh, 45 yeah. degree angle. Um, and her face is giving way to a skull on the other side of it, but the skull is giving way to the brickwork on some house. So she's being... Some house. Yep. <laughs> on some house. She's being pulled into the wall. Well, I think that's kind a stretch. Of. That's how I'm reading it. Imagine how big her face is. This spans five bricks. That's the world's most gigantic face. Oh, they're mini bricks. You don't get mini bricks. <laughs> <laughs> um, Lego bricks. And it's by J- uh, Graham Masterton. Yep. Oh, all, all our American friends would call him Graham. <gasps> no. Have you not ever heard an American says Graham? I have, but it's wrong. Graham. Like it's Graham not as bad as Craig. Craig. Oh. Craig is worse. A. Why can't they do A? I don't know. Weird. Um, they also ca- can't say pasta. 
Pasta. Pasta. Yeah, like they're really posh British. Pasta. Yeah. Well, anyway, yeah. the tagline is home sweet home, which actually right. does work. It makes sense. It's not that creepy, really. I suppose in conjunction with the picture, it's quite creepy. What a weird back tagline. Bagline, if you will. <laughs> Be warned. If you won't. <laughs> Be warned. The untold terror is out. Oh. Well, That's... I mean, it is told, though. It's, there's, there's Oh, yeah. 200 and some pages of it. M- much, much terror. Right. Yeah. Are you ready? Too much the terror. beginning. <clears throat> They sped through the South London suburbs in their unmarked Vauxhall Amiga, weaving in and out between buses and trucks and any other driver who showed the slightest hesitation. Detective Inspector Carter kept up a constant impatient commentary. Come on, love. Hurry up, mate. For God's sake, you've got a green light. Move. Oh, come on. Do Cockney. No. Nobody needs to hear that. <laughs> Beside him, Detective Sergeant Bino was engrossed in finishing off a pepperoni pizza. So what did they actually say? He asked, sucking his fingers said they'd found skeletons, scores of them. Detective Sergeant Bino shook his head. Bet it's a wind-up. Skeletons? Bet it used to be a medical school or something. Spoiler, it was not a medical school. (laughs) (laughs) So, this house is being renovated and they found loads and loads of skeletons inside the wall. Some of them are really, really old skeletons, but some of them are new skeletons. And there's no obvious way that they could have got in there. There's no... um, access hatch there's no hole in the wall there's nothing it's just they've broken into a completely enclosed space and it's full of skeletons how did they get there heather can you have a new skelly bobs wouldn't they have to necessarily be old otherwise it's just a series of bones what do you mean are you saying that someone's died in the wall or someone's just poured a load of bones in the wall well that's the that's the question hmm. they don't know okay that's why we read the rest of the book okay <laughs> <laughs> you're like when i watch a film with my nephew and he's like Why is he doing that? And I'm like, I don't know, because I'm watching the same thing as you are, so we need to keep watching it, and then we'll know. My friend Eva is the worst for that. Love you, Eva, but fuck watching a film with these awful. She'll go, oh, is he going in there? Is someone going to jump out on him? No, I shouldn't do that. Why are they doing that? And then if you refuse to tell her, she'll um, Wikipedia it. Yeah, terrible. Or why doesn't she just wait and find out? Yes, well, that's clearly my That's the viewing well. experience, yes. isn't it? Let me explain to you the notion of time. <laughs> <laughs> Let me explain narrative to you. Um, it's so weird that there's so much about estate agents in a point horror book. It's so much about estate agents. It's so much about agents. Do you think Gray Masterton used to be an estate agent? Well, maybe. I wonder if it says. I mean, he's like, I don't know if you're familiar with him, but he's like a master of classic British horror. Like, he's written a lot of books. Oh, no, I didn't know that. A lot of horror books, yeah. Um... I like this. I think he hates estate agents. Mm-hmm. This could be my brother, right? I haven't actually explained the estate agent part yet. Oh, sorry, We've only ahead. had the bit about the cops. Okay, I'll wait. Okay. <laughs> Meet John. He has a new job as... Wait. An estate agent. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now you can say this bit about the Oh, okay. Thanks. I just wanted to explain because everyone will be like, but there were no estate agents. It was about policemen. They're only in the prologue. They're not in the rest of the book. The rest of it is about estate agents. Yeah. Okay, so Mr. Cleet is the deputy manager. Mr. Cleet took him to the first desk where a solidly built, red-haired boy in a bright green shirt was eating an apple and reading the Racing Post. This is how British this book is. Yep. Mm-hmm. He had green, eyes as green as crushed bottle glass. Oh, Graham. It's quite and nice, isn't it? A splash of freckles over his I mean, nose. Graham Masterton is like a, an actual writer, <laughs> as you can tell from this book. This is Liam O'Brien. 
I don't know. Don't know if you need me to tell you that he's Irish. <laughs> uh, Liam, I'd like you to meet John. Well, now, welcome to the wonderful world of estate agency. At said least he Liam. wasn't eating a potato. <laughs> you too can take one and a half percent of everyone's hard-earned money without ever lifting a finger. And I'm like, oh, that's <gasps> true. Burn. Um, Liam has a slightly irreverent attitude to what we do, said Mr. Cleet, pressing his lips. It made me do a squeeze my cheeks together and I'll go whoop. up like a policeman. You were going, whoop, whoop. Though he manages to sell rather a lot of houses, it's the Blarney, the Irish gift of the gab. <laughs> oh my God. Come on now, Mr. Is Ms. that okay? No, I don't think it is. Come on now, Mr. Cleet, said Liam. Isn't estate agency all Blarney? Calling a house semi-detached when it's semi-stuck together to another one? <gasps> I love it. Mm-hmm. I, he speaks the truth. Estate agents are... No tea, no shade. That is what estate agents do. An absolute scum of the earth. Wow. Yeah. I mean, you've got to buy a house from somewhere. But you could actually just put it on the internet, as people do now. Yeah, I suppose you could do. Anyway. Anyway, it's really funny, actually. Yeah. And the way they speak is so British that it almost becomes Polari. Mm. So Polari, as some people might know, is this like secret British gay language that was kind of around a lot in the 50s to 70s, would you say? So it came, there's a really good book called Fabulosa by Paul Barker, is it? I don't know. Did you read read it? it? No. Oh, oh, it's really good. But you know a lot about Polari, don't you? Uh, Not that much, no. A bit, okay, so. uh, Just as much as the average person. (laughs) It was like a combination between Cockney Ryman slang, like a bit of like Italian, a wee bit of French. And a bit of like traveller, like yeah. Romani? Is yeah, that like right? it came out of like the traveller community, the sort of theatre community, the old merchant navy community and the East End of London. So it was like what we've got um, an actor in the UK who was called uh, Kenneth Williams. Mm-hmm. Really solidly high camp sort of guy. And he would like use... Posh, posh camp posh old camp that like your grandma would love yeah. without really thinking that he's a gay um, even though it's the most obvious thing in the world and he would use Polari quite a lot in his roles and stuff but they used to say that's your genuine French so they'd in like really East End London voice say like you know she's got a bit of je ne sais quoi and that's your actual French <laughs> and someone in this says that's your genuine arts and crafts fireplace and oh. I was like, what if they're gay estate agents Maybe it's even better. Well, wait till we get to the end because they potentially are going to start an estate an estate agent that I wish existed. Okay. Um. Actually, I'll do my two. I've got two bits of dialogue from the British section that I'll just do now. I see what you mean. That it is like a whole other language. That this is why I don't know how well this book travels because right. to me it makes perfect sense, but to an American audience, might as well be in, a, in another language because we have this. Um. What happened to your earrings? They were the lick. <laughs> Which I guess means like the tits. Like they were great. They were good. I've never heard the that. The lick. Yeah, I haven't either. I also really like this. You've got the abdabs. Oh my god. <laughs> the screaming abdabs. The screaming abdabs. What does that mean? Like when, like, um, like the, the willies. You've got the willies. <laughs> screaming You've got the abdabs. abdabs. <laughs> like so long since I've heard that. <laughs> It's such like your uncle would say. Yeah. I just love how British it is. But yeah, yeah. I think it's just the novelty of it. Can I also say that um, I need you to do a voice? Have you got at this? I'm not very good at accents. No. All right. It's not an accent. Mr. Cleet has a voice like concentrated nitric acid. Go. 
What does he say? <laughs> Anything. Any what? phrase. It's just What's his voice. nitric acid? Well, citric acid is what you put around sour sweets. <laughs> <laughs> nitric acid. I'm going to Google it. It's like that you make a bomb with, isn't it? Oh, Kirsty, we'll put on a fucking list. Are you kidding one, me? <laughs> one, one would make a bomb with if one were to <laughs> just do asking. such a thing. Um, it is also known as aquafortis and spirit of nitre. What? <laughs> Have I stumbled onto, like, the witch internet? Um, it's a highly corrosive mineral acid. Okay, so I need to do a voice like a high, like a concentrated... Colourless. Mineral acid. Yes. <laughs> I, ca- I can't come even... Come on, Kirsty, come on. Mr. Cleet. <laughs> Is that what you were thinking? I don't know. That I was hurt my throat to do that. <laughs> I'm Mr. Cleet. You need to be colourless, fuming, and highly corrosive. I'm Mr. Cleet. <laughs> Is that better? I don't, I don't know what have... you want from me right now. <laughs> I don't think you would have done that before the wine. Given, <laughs> I will do a silly voice at any time of day or night. <laughs> Drunk or sober. I think you did a really good job in, in pressing conditions there. Thanks. I think you did a great job. Unexpected. <laughs> but I rose to the challenge. Voice like and I'm concentrated proud of nitric acid. Thank you. Not normal level. Concentrated. concentrated. Alright, anyway. Let's get back to John. Okay. He's in he's an estate agent, but new. However, quite soon everybody goes out to presumably show people some houses. So John is alone in the office. Someone comes in desperate to see a particular property, 66 Mountjoy Avenue. So John, thinking he's doing the right thing, gives him the key. But <gasps> that is the boss, Mr. Vane's. Carl and Mr. Peter. Carl, do you remember that? I do, but no. Carl and Mr. Vane. I think that's where he got that name from. It's one that literally just occurred to me as I said the name Mr. Vane. I could see it happening. You saw the cogs I did. very slowly turning <laughs> in my very transparent head. <laughs> but 66 Mountjoy Avenue is one of Mr. Vane's special properties. And it gets worse. Then the guy who took the key goes missing. <gasps> now, coincidentally, remember from the prologue, the police have found dozens of human skeletons inside the wall of an old house. Some very old, some new. How did they get there? Can it be related to this missing man? Keep reading to find out. Ooh. Ooh. I'm doing You're a burp. so excited that you burped. An internal burp. <laughs> An excitement burp. So, John. Hang on, can I just point out a little plot hole here? If they're new bones, the body would have had to either rotted off it or been removed from the bones. Exactly. So, eaten by pigs? Could be. Or they eat the bones as well. Corrosive acid also eats the bones. So someone would have to, like, how do you... Quick climb? No, no, you could get those little beetles, like people do in museums. Like, what? So <laughs> to get the, you know how in museums they have like skeletons of animals? There are specific um, insects that you can get. Are they scarabs? They're in Egyptian myths. They're not real. No, yeah, they're real. Scarab beetles are real. Of course they are. I don't know know if it is scarab beetles, but you can get a type of beetle that will eat flesh but not bone. And that's what they use in museums to get the flesh off the bones to get... Because if you, like, boil them or whatever, then you can damage the bones. But if these little beasties eat the flesh, then you get, like, clean bones that you can then use to make, like, bone... What are they called? Sometimes your knowledge base... (laughs) (laughs) That's... 
what comes of being a fiction writer yeah. is you know a tiny amount about loads of stuff that has no practical purpose whatsoever but like you needed to know it for a story once yeah who messaged me the other day and was like heather um would a at what stage would a dead body be at by about seven weeks and i was like i think this yeah do you know remember that? we were workshopping your novel and at some point you said a corpse looked like this by a certain date and everyone else in the workshop was like no it wouldn't look like that <laughs> and you said how do you know and we were like i don't know just, just write about the just no you just time. i just read it somewhere <laughs> can i also just point out that i almost pissed myself when i looked down into your seat because rosie has just got her head hanging off but she was doing the most like when is my husband coming back from war like faye jane austen sort of heroine face of being like Oh, I've got to lie on the comfortable floor with no one paying attention to me. She's honestly, she's so tragic. She's such a fucking tragedy. You know how they say um, dogs look like their owners? (laughs) You guys don't look at each other, but you've got the same emotional sort of (laughs) proclivity. We sometimes call that her Princess Diana face. (laughs) Where she's sort of got these sort of looks up at you with these like little limpid eyes. I'm touching an HIV patient for the first time yeah. and it's going to be news. <laughs> I'm going to go and help some orphans. <laughs> That's what Rosie's thinking in her head. Anyway, John in the book gets together with Lucy from work and pleasingly there's sort of not really an implication that they're going to get together and I quite like that. Oh good, because I was you... going to say don't shit where you eat. No, no he doesn't. Good. Shh, don't shit where you eat. I like it. That's gross. gross. You know what I mean? He's not going to shit on her. <laughs> and eat at work. That's like saying don't fuck where you eat. But we've all fucked in the kitchen, so that doesn't make sense. You better not fucked in my kitchen. No. Good. When would that have happened? I don't know. You're <laughs> sneaky. And you're always watching our flats, so you know when I we're out. I would have to break in to have sex in your, to be frank, not very comfortable kitchen. There's nothing <laughs> soft. Dare you? What would I lie on? My mum's creating a little seat for the area. Cool. So when your mum puts the seat in, <laughs> I'm not, I'll no. break in <laughs> and I'll fuck on your seat. Will that make you happy? Sometimes when I get up in the morning and it's a bit late and I've had a lion, usually I will go and have a shower and then get dressed and then come in and open my bedroom curtains. And sometimes I go back and open them before I shower just so you don't judge me when I know you look up at my bedroom and go, Heather's not up yet. I don't do that. I bet you do. No, You're I don't. such a curtain twitching. I absolutely don't do that. <laughs> I haven't looked up at your window for a while actually. Haven't you? I usually just do it in the evening like to see because I can't tell if you how would I know if you were there in the day but like sometimes in the evening I'm like oh, I wonder if Heather's in or out tonight. That's it. <laughs> but I wouldn't really know if you're around the other side of the flat. Mm. Anyway I don't I don't look in your window as much as you seem to think <laughs> I do. <laughs> you go on about how nosy you are. Yeah, but I can't see anything. Oh, oh. so you're for want of trying. You're not that interesting. <laughs> How rude. Maybe if, if you were you knew what was going doing on something house. interesting within view, then maybe I would look more. That is a very much a case of be careful what you wish for. I don't wish for that. <laughs> anyway, let me get back to John and Lucy. Um, they investigate one of Mr. Vane's other special properties, and it's pretty fucking creepy. Let me read you a bit. That is really creepy. Okay, this is what they find. It's like this empty house with all like creepy shit in it. And he finds in a bedroom what looks like a body in the bed. But it's all wrapped up. He started to unwind. Am I in the right bit? Yeah, he started to unwind (laughs) the sheets. Whatever was wrapped up inside them was very heavy. Almost too heavy for a body. Yet he thought he could feel shoulders and arms and as he pulled back the top of the sheet he revealed something that made him feel as if cold centipedes were crawling down his back 
It was a face, an utterly white face. Its eyes were open and it was staring at him. It looked like a man in his thirties, quite handsome in a thin, unusual way, but with a sheen on his skin that wasn't at all natural and an expression of terrible calmness and fright that frightened John more than anything he had ever seen in his life. He tried to say Lucy, but his mouth didn't seem to work. The man continued to stare at him and said nothing. Was he alive? Was he dead? John didn't want to touch him, but he didn't want to leave him either, supposing he jumped up from the bed and came running after him. I love to read that as if like he thought it was Lucy. Yeah. Lucy? Lucy? You look so different. Anyway, it's a carved statue, but it's horrible. I don't know why it creeps me out so much. I thought that someone would like take a carved statue and wrap it up and put it in a bed. <laughs> it's so creepy to me. Really? That's horrible. Why would you do that? It's gross. <laughs> I just can't believe you're this upset it's by just, that. Do you not think that's really creepy? Like, you would shit yourself. If you went into an empty house and you were looking around and you saw, like, a very realistic carved statue lying in the bed, you would poop yourself. Yeah, I would. All right, yeah, then. Yeah. <laughs> Glad we're in agreement with that. All right. I watched, so. um, can I tell you, I watched a movie that I think you would really like. One. Oh my god, what's it called? It had Vincent Price in it as this guy who like couldn't speak because he'd been in a car accident. Ooh. And he, it was like, he set up these like Rube Goldberg revenge machines on people. Oh my god. I to... love it already. Yeah. Don't Google it. Oh, it's really cool. You can tell called? me later. I think you'd really like it though. Okay, I'll keep talking, you'll probably remember. He played the organ. Oh, amazing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, amazing. Okay, so obviously they get pretty freaked out by that. Um, and then. John goes and investigates another house with this time Liam from work, Irish one. Irish um, But the wall eats him, uh, which isn't great. Liam? Eats Liam. Eats the Irish. He... Does not have look at the Irish. No, absolutely not. His blindy did not save him this time. And um, it's, it's pretty bad. Uh, this is what happens. This is that like a newsreader? This is what happens. Yes, if you would like to offer me a job as a newsreader, I am into that. Um, so he has left Liam in this other room and then he's like, where's Liam gone? He's gone very quiet. And this is what he finds in the room. Liam was kneeling on the other side of the room, except that it wasn't all of Liam. Half of his head had disappeared into the wall so that all John could see of it was his right eye and his right nostril and the right side of his mouth dragged wide open in agony. His left arm had disappeared, and most of his chest too. His left knee had gone, but his left foot was still free, even though it was trembling uncontrollably like the hoof of a recently shot stag. Oh, oh fucking God. rough, isn't it? <laughs> Liam grasped frantically for John's hand. He was tense, tight, shivering. Help me, he croaked. Help me, John, for the love of God, it's pulling me in. John grabbed hold of his arm, but Liam was being sucked into the flowery-patterned wallpaper as smoothly and steadily as if he were being sucked into quicksand. Ugh, it's horrible! It is horrible. It's not great. It's not a great happening. I, I think what's happened here is that you've been horrified by it, and I've just found it really, really funny. Mm -hmm. Because it's, it's such a bizarre image of a man getting sucked into a wall I mean, being half in the wall. I kind of found it simultaneously both. Right. I it was like a campy horror, which I enjoyed. I think I'm leaning more into the hilarity side of it like <laughs> i really enjoyed it as that kind of like b-movie horror in a book form yeah yeah it is horrible to imagine a man with half his body but in inherently <laughs> inherently silly also inherently really funny mm -hmm. um it, it, it gets sillier as it goes on it's got the same kind of tone to me as a british version of that stephen king 
movie we watched, Sleepwalkers. It was so bad. Where it was just so like the horror. That was that one was of the worst described, things I've ever seen. Was really funny. I did enjoy it, but it like I, you seem to be affected by these images, whereas I am just pissing myself. Yeah, I guess I'm always because I like horror. I'm always like trying to find the creepy bit. Yeah, I like, like horror, oh, that's good. but I don't get to choose whether I find it horrible or not. I think. No, I mean you don't. Nobody gets to choose, and it's a fine line with horror. Like, mm. the line between horror and humor is very thin. Yeah. Very, very thin, and this book walks the line perfectly. <laughs> Kind of half and half. Like, I know some people find uh, The Exorcist really funny. I don't find it funny. I find it really scary. Yeah. And it's because I watched it too young. And you know the face that appears, the white face that appears, like, subliminally twice? Okay. Mm -hmm. I can't even look at that now. Like, I I can't see a picture of it. It makes me feel really fucking horrible. Uh, But I can see that other people would find the puking thing... And the stabbing herself in the vagina with the cross thing really funny. It is ridiculous. But yeah. I can't see. Like my, it was just, I was just too young and on my own watching it and fucking my bedroom at night. So yeah, I can know it's funny, but I'm really scared. <laughs> I think a lot of horror films, if you're watching them with people, mm. they're funny. But if you watch them like by yourself at night they become scary. Because, like, I've seen horror films before. I was like, this is fucking stupid. This is so funny. And then I've watched it myself and been like, maybe I'll just switch it off. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's all about the context. Or even, like, you watch a horror film by yourself and you're like, this is so fucking scary. I'm going to show my friends this. And then they watch it. and Because you're like, stupid. it's stupid because you're, like, with your pals and you're, like, slagging it off a bit. And mm. It's like once, it's like a lot of stuff. It's like once you break it, you can't put it back together again. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> for sure. Um, okay, so then they get back to work and John tells Lucy that the wall ate Liam and inexplicably, she instantly believes him. Yeah. You would be like, what do you mean? I would be like, okay, so I'm just going to take you to the hospital. Don't worry about it. Or I would, my first thought would be like, oh shit, he killed Liam <laughs> and has had some kind of psychotic break. Ooh. That would be my first thought. Yeah. To be honest. Um, so, but anyway, they go back to the house and the wall that ate Liam is now healed. Like please, there's no trace left. Please let your next book be called The Wall That Ate Liam. <laughs> <laughs> yes, please. Um, I will take an advance of £200,000. <laughs> Um, can I interject here to just... Can I say if you're not a writer, that is not a realistic advance, just to clarify, <laughs> that's why I said it. Especially if you're not a writer. You don't no. Can I read you, like, I don't think we've leaned into just how British this is. Oh, maybe you've got this. How much, how many of your British things have you got? How much? <laughs> <laughs> then my next thing is when we get to Uncle Robin's house. Um, no, I mean in your British things list. How extensive is it? No, it's just stuff at Uncle Robin's house now. Ah, right, okay. So you can fire in with that. There were so... I couldn't list them all. There were hundreds of them. Yeah, this is one of my favourite ones. <clears throat> he opened his wardrobe door. Inside were dozens of pinups of girls and rock stars and Crystal Palace football team. He picked, <laughs> he picked out a black Yves Saint Laurent sweatshirt, which his father had bought for £12 from another cabbie. It was probably so specific, a fake. So specific. <laughs> it was probably a fake, but it was his favourite. He splashed himself with aftersave, which I think we all know is Cool Water by Davidoff. Oh, of course it is. And left the house by the or back door. Or maybe Old Spice. 
<laughs> yeah, maybe. Down by the parade of shops, he met four or five of his friends. They were larking about inside the local corner shop, smoking and teasing some girls. Right? Do you think they were eating frazzles? <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> also, how old is he? Or space invaders. Because he's got a job. Space raiders. He's raiders? a 14-year-old boy, according to yeah. that description. To be honest, I think in, in them days, and maybe in this days, 14-year-old <laughs> boys and 17-year-old boys and 20-year-old boys are almost impossible to tell apart. That's a good point. Mm-hmm. Especially if they're the kind of people who wear Yves Saint Laurent polo shirts. And dab it off cool water and eat <laughs> <Yeah>. frazzles. <laughs> Anyway, so John and Lucy go to another house, another one of Mr. Vane's special properties. Oh yeah, Mr. Vane, now I'm with you. Colin, Mr. Vane, Colin, Mr. Vane. Did you not? No, I did, but more you, the more you're saying it, the more it makes sense to be singing the song. Yeah. No, I That's get, why I, I sang the I song. I understand that, but I'm just, I'm, I'm being seduced <laughs> by the idea is what's going on. Oh my God. Okay. And maybe the glass of wine I've just had. So all I need to do to make you laugh at all my jokes is to make sure you are constantly a little bit tipsy. Look, I'm into it. Okay. (laughs) Shit, that was quite threatening. (laughs) Just had a moment of what it must be like to be seduced by Heather. Look, I'm into it. (laughs) Seduction. It's horrible. I think I'm the one being seduced there, to be honest with you. Why? Aggressive agreement is yeah, not a seduction. Right. Okay. Is well, that how Annie got you? <laughs> yeah. She just agreed with everything I said. Fine. We'll do it. If you insist, <laughs> then we will. Okay. So then they go to another house and they find some skele- a skeleton poking out of the wall a bit. <laughs> <laughs> but it's not completely in the wall because it's got a crucifix around its neck. So it got pulled into the wall until the wall met the crucifix, and then it could go no further. It, yep. That's what happened. Seems legit. Yeah, that's what happened, so like it or not. Um, <laughs> so they tell Courtney from work, who's a boy called Courtney, oh. and he believes them immediately. And this is why. Lucy reached out and touched his hand and gave him a look, which meant it really happened, all of it. Okay. Mm, okay, well, so she's a hypnotist? I- She's Darren Brown. Everyone's very quick to believe that houses are eating people. I feel like I would require more convincing than this. So can I just say right now, if you are ever trying to convince me that a house has eaten someone, I will need more than this. You'll need Darren Brown. Why would that work? He can convince you of anything. Well, I mean, that's true. Have you never seen the shows? Mm, I have not seen him trying to convince someone that a house has eaten people. Maybe that's the point horror book we should write. There's like a G your face. <laughs> <laughs> that was an excited you, face. You just did like a sort of... Tell me more. Up. You did your usual, what do you call it? My... Uh, resting face. No, it's my judgmental face. listening face. That's the one. Mm-hmm. Um, Which yeah, is just it. my fucking face, can I just say? It's just what my face looks like. Look, mate, it's the rest of us who have to look at it. <laughs> <laughs> so you were doing your usual, hmm, and then you went, oh, Tell me expression. more. <laughs> So get it. So this will be... So get it. So get it. <laughs> get it, yeah. We're down with the kids in 2020. Fucking in Pine Horror World. And a very famous, um, what should we call him? I think he described himself as a mentalist, which I really like. I mean, I live in Glasgow, so a mentalist is something else. Yeah. <laughs> For those who aren't aware, Darren Brown is this British kind of like, kind of hypnotist, but he more does like these kind of large scale like installations. Not a magician. Not a magician. He's, what's the, who's the dude who goes and like stands on a big pole and puts himself in a box? American oh, him. Dickhead. 
dickhead is his name. So he's kind of like... What is his name? David Blaine. David Blaine. He's kind of like a British version of David Blaine if David Blaine wasn't completely self-obsessed. And he's more interested in like... And David Blaine people. takes himself incredibly seriously. Yeah, doesn't Whereas he? I don't think Darren Brown does. He sort of says, like, this is just stuff that, like, anyone, anyone could, could do, learn. really. And he's like, here's how you use this to learn how to remember people's names in a party and things like that. But he does these shows where, like, he can he he created the situation, sorry, the circumstances by which, like, seven out of ten people would try and commit armed robbery just from him putting a certain song in a van or like this kind of stuff. So get this from our story. He's Darren Brown. Get it. But with a different name. So he'll be called like Derek Bunch or something like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Another good reaction fix from you. <laughs> Derek Bunch. <laughs> I think we should start videoing these, but just you. I have a, a gift face. <laughs> I feel like a lot has been lost that I've never filmed because I hate being filmed, but I think I have gifable expressions. You really do. I've got too much of a hypermobile face, so it's, too, it's just awful to look at because there's too much going on. I don't um, think it is. Thanks, mate. I look at it a lot. Uh, you do, yeah. You've become attuned to it, it's yeah. fine. So, Darren... Der- what's it called? Derek Bunch. <laughs> Derek Bunch. <laughs> Derek Bunch is a kind of person who... Remember, this is why we stopped having booze while podcasting. <laughs> no, this is great content, Okay, mate. cool, Come cool. On. 10 out of 10. Um, he can, like, convince people that things are the case, right? But he finds out that something really weird and mystical is happening and he has to try and convince people but they don't really believe him because they think he's doing a convincing thing so he has to try and break through his own personality and career in order to tell people that this thing really is happening i've got a title go on the man who cried ghost (laughs) i think that should be the subtitle no okay what's the main title then okay maybe it can be like harry potter but not by a turf that is his name and then like call on so it'll be like Derek Bunch the, the man, man who, who cried, cried wolf ghost. <laughs> <laughs> cried ghost so each one is a different Derek Bunch book oh we will God. also accept 200,000 150 a push for this well no we won't take 150 because we'll be sharing that's true okay it has to be 200 I don't 200,000 pounds not 200 pounds I don't get out of bed and write Derek Bunch mystery novels for less than Put that on a badge. <laughs> Scholastic, call us. Are you listening, Scholastic? <laughs> we'll do it for the bargain price of $200,000. And I should also say, if you're an aspiring writer, please don't expect an advance of $200,000. That's <laughs> a lot of money. Anyway, so John and Lucy and Courtney all go to Lucy's flat, which has... There's actually a creepy bit here, right? Because she's got one of those creepy time-out switches in the landing. Like, have you seen those? I've only actually seen these in London, although I'm sure they exist in other parts of the UK. Not the magazine time-out. That may have also (laughs) been in the landing. In fact, it probably was. But it's one of those switches where, you know, you normally would switch a light just on or off, and if you switch a light on, it stays on. But these switches, you switch them on, and light comes on, but only for a set amount of time, and then it goes off again. And if you want it to come on, you have to switch the switch again. Press the switch again. So it's the timer. Yeah. Oh, no, I get, I get what you're saying. You would have them in, like... Um, like in a hallway. Communal, or... Yeah. Yeah. In, like, communal living situations. I think nowadays you would probably have, like, a motion-activated one. Yeah. But not in them days. But my friend's flat that I stay in in London sometimes, her uh, landing has got one of those, and it never quite lasts long enough, <laughs> which is horrible, I think. Fucking landlords. Throw them all in the sea. Yep. Anyway... 
that's what she's got. And of course, typically it doesn't last long enough. So you press it when you first go in the door, but then by the time you get to your front door, you're in darkness again. So they don't- Murdered. Yeah, right. Murdered. Because someone can be lurking in the shadows, which is exactly what happens. <gasps> there is this creepy white face lurking in the shadows because do you know who we should really fear? White men. Yeah. The true terror is white men. It's the face from The Exorcist. Oh yeah. He's got a name. I can't Google it. Oh yeah, it. is it P- Pal... P- Palacio? No. Patricio? No. <laughs> Paul. <laughs> Petra. I, I can't Google it because I can't see his face. It's Pazuzu? Pazuzu. Pazuzu. Is it Pazuzu? I think so. Who knows? Is that like an old Italian doll? It sounds like it. Doesn't it? Pazuzu. Anyway, um, but, but, but. so they see this white face in the shadows. It's the statue <gasps> on the bed. It chases them. It's kind of silly, but... It's like, it walks that line between silly and scary, which Mm -hmm. I kind of like. So, then they go to Lucy's uncle's house, Uncle Robin, who I picture as Uncle Monty from uh, Withmill and I. Pie in the sky. Yeah, that's probably why, that's probably why I pictured him. I can't believe Richard Griffith (laughs) (laughs) has has cameoed on so many many point horrors. Who knew he was so in our minds? Um, Pine the mind. He is presumably a 14 times reader. Now, I love 14 times. I don't know what that is. <gasps> what? It's a magazine about unexplained phenomenon. Mm. And I love it. Phenomena. Phenomena. Phenom- phenomena. Oh, yeah, you're right. Phenomena. Phenomena. Anyway, yeah, it's about unexplained phenomena. But they have an interesting tone, which I enjoy, which is that they... It's technically they're skeptical, like they only believe in stuff if there's evidence, but they also are super interested in everything, which is me. Like I love anything to do with unexplained or weird shit. I'm obsessed, like tell me everything. But I kind of also believe nothing. Like people think because I'm into the X-Files and conspiracy theories and stuff, I must believe in ghosts and aliens. And I don't, I don't really believe in anything. Hmm. Because I'm a nihilist. No, not really. (laughs) But 14 times kind of has that attitude of like, listen to all the stories, but we'll need some evidence, please. It's a real publication. Yeah, it's been going for years. It's been going for like since the 70s. Look, it's great. I would like for my birthday this year. Okay. (laughs) What, 14 times? Yes. Subscription. Here's a tip. If you live in Glasgow, you can borrow it. You can borrow digital editions of it for free from the library. No way. Yeah, that's what I do. So anyway. You get a lot of story ideas from it as well, if mm. you are a fiction writer, or probably if you're a non-fiction writer as well. Anyway, he presumably is a 14 times reader because he figures out that all the houses are on ley lines. I'm so glad ley lines <laughs> are in the book. <laughs> Do you miss that? <laughs> My God. So. I wonder if non-Brits know what ley lines so, are. So, ley lines... Shall I look up the Wikipedia or shall I just say how I understand it? Because that doesn't go very well when we were talking about the AI because I fundamentally don't understand anything, okay, really. I'll, I'll Google it and okay. you try and explain. So, ley lines, uh, apparently some dude at some point looked at all these sort of important sites. So, like uh, Stonehenge and presumably like the Callanish stones um, on Lewis, I think. Um, And you can draw lines between them. And so there was this theory that they are sort of these ancient energy lines. And I think they go a bit too far in this book because they say that you can send energy along them and even physical objects, which I'm not sure anyone has actually claimed that. No, I think they've misunderstood both (laughs) druids and ley lines. So 
Here's the Google. Okay. Here's the Google. <laughs> That's lines. what it says in this book, anyway. Ley lines refer to straight alignments drawn between various historic figures and prominent landmarks. Pretty much what you said. The idea was developed in early 20th century Europe, with ley line believers arguing that these alignments were recognised by ancient European societies, which deliberately erected stru- structures along them. Since the 60s, member of the Earth Mysteries movement... Oh my god, let's get involved. That's very 14 times. Mm-hmm. Um, and other esoteric traditions have commonly believed that such ley lines demarcate Earth energies and serve as guides for alien space- spacecraft. Archaeologists and scientists regard ley lines as an example of pseudo-archaeology and pseudo-science. There you go. Yeah. So it's only been an idea around since the 20s. Yeah. But, of course, there is a more logical explanation, which is that um, ancient sites... Well, yeah, (laughs) and also the ancient sites were linked by roads, and the quickest way to build a road is a straight line between two points. And that quite often when holy buildings were torn down the next religion just built on the same place because it would be a big space it was easier it was a big space everybody knew where it was <laughs> just a lot easier and also like christianity was very successful partly because it sort of incorporated a lot of what people already believed mm. so it sort of slotted itself in and covered a lot of what people already believed and did so like a lot of the dates were the same so there was like the harvest god festival the same dates as Jesus, and like it's quite pretty smart. Worked quite well, clearly. And you can see how people would kind of believe in these things. Cause have you ever been to Stonehenge? Yeah, I the, went last year actually. It is kind of mad how old it is, which is fucking old. Yeah, I, okay, I don't. I know. don't know how old. Um, like really fucking old. But on the summer solstice and on the winter solstice, so it's basically a circle of stones, and then there's the is it called the heel stone, the one that's kind of like. A bit further away. Like, mm-hmm. if you were drawing a big Q, it would be the end of the Q mm. tail. Um, and on these two on these two solstices, solstice, <laughs> the sun comes up directly over that, which is kind of amazing when it's you think how cool. old they are. And, like, it's very difficult to explain kind of, like, how the, they understood the passage of time so perfectly. Well, they had a lot of time to look at it like I don't I think it's ridiculous to say that people in the past were less intelligent no. it was just a different kind of intelligence than we might value now but I mean like how old is Stonehenge I'm gonna look at it gotta say as well best henge F- fully good henge yeah I like to imagine henge spelled h-e-n-j um <laughs> but this, <laughs> this henge best henge was, construction was started 3000 BC so that's 5000 years ago wow which is like Anyway, it's very cool. So you can see how when you've experienced that, you go, maybe there is some sort of magical network that people knew about. I mean, no, but maybe. <laughs> I mean, you never know. The thing is, I'm open. Like, if you've got evidence, I'll believe anything. Oh, no, if we you've got evidence. evidence. <laughs> well, if you've got evidence, sure, I'll believe it. Until then, I'll reserve judgment. Okay. But if you've got some evidence, fuck yeah. Well, I will make sure that you will not be admitted into the ley line believing society. Fine. Can I just observe? Out of interest? Yeah, go on then. Okay, thanks. Okay, so the other thing I need to tell you is the statue. Remember the creepy statue that chased them? Um, So it was believed that spirits could go into oak trees. And so spirits, like, possess this statue, which is made out of oak. Which, that might sound really silly, but the reason I wanted to include that is, have you ever heard the superstition of knock on wood? Mm. Like, if you say something, you knock on wood for luck. That is because people used to believe that spirits could go into trees. No way. So if you knock on wood, you're like placating the spirit. Wow, I so didn't know that. There is your, Fact see what blast. I mean? 
writers know all this shit for <laughs> no purpose whatsoever. You won't believe the amount of stuff I know about Pete having written a book where Pete, people... Who's Pete? Pete the ground. I don't think you should be seeing this Pete anymore. <laughs> well, you burn him. So that's wow, like, okay. It's Pete, you know, having written a novel on... A Scottish island. No, you knew a lot about Pete. Oh, hat to me. If you want to, oh. if you want to recolonize the Scottish island, you're going to have to learn about burning peat. It was basically their main, like, energy source. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. What a weird thing. That is weird, isn't it? I ended up learning a lot of like random shit for books. Like, I learned a lot about boats, like all different types of boats. And for the last book, I learned a lot about the Middle Ages, mm. and I also learned a lot about witches. And like which belief and which trust. Yeah, you just end up with like all oh, this fucking useless information, almost none of which you directly use in the book. But it's, it makes you really good at a pub quiz. If uh, if that specific round comes up, <laughs> yeah. anyway. Okay, um, <laughs> I really like this. So this is what Lu so Lucy's uncle, um, Uncle Robin. This is what he says. <laughs> I really like this. You know those old children's warnings about not stepping on cracks in the pavement because bears would come up and get you. <laughs> bears? That's not the belief. Bears? <laughs> In East London. Bears? <laughs> no, I don't know that. I think you just made that up, Uncle Robin. He's bears! He's googled a bunch of stuff, hasn't he? <laughs> yeah. Or he's just misunderstood some shit that he heard in the pub. I don't know. Graham, do you speak English? Anyway. I don't know. So what he's, the reason he's saying this is he's saying, look, those warnings were real, but don't fear bears. <laughs> fear druids, the true evil. Uh, so please. now that they know the threat, which is not bears, but druids, they've got a plan. There's no way. Druids are a chaotic good. <laughs> well, not in this book. I... I will not stand by and let the name of druids be sullied. Do you think non-Brits know what a druid is? What's a druid? It's like <laughs> an ancient... I think, it, I think... I'm surprised druids haven't made a comeback because I feel like witch has made a comeback, like that sort of hedge witch thing or like people are really into crystals and horoscopes right now. Why haven't druids similarly made a comeback? Or have oh. they always been around and I just have missed it? Kirsty Logan, you're speaking as a person who has not been to the West Country in the recent past. That's correct. Um, I went to my favourite henge um, <laughs> several years ago for summer solstice. Not Stonehenge? Yes, no, the favourite Oh, favorite your favourite henge. henge. Um, I was going to Glastonbury Festival, like when would it have been? 2011 or 2014? And um, that's quite near henge. Okay. So I have to say it like that. Now. There are other henges. There are other henges are available. Best henge, Stonehenge. It's quite near Stonehenge. Um, and summer solstice was the Monday before the festival started on the Wednesday. So we went down there on the bus. Not a lot of good transport links, so we got the bus. Um, and a and a druid just got on with his sword. Wow. Yeah, and he was also going because it's a religious site for pagans. So that's the word I was looking for. Pagans. pagans. So mm -hmm. you're not allowed to go near it. Really, like, you go and look at it. Don't yeah, you be. can't touch it. You can't go up close to it. But mm -hmm. on the on the two solstices, you are. And mm -hmm. in fact, they just have a massive party. I think they're stopping the doing that because it's damaging the stones. Well, people did get on top of them. Yeah, and like, which you're not supposed to because it damages them. There's loads of teenagers taking drugs. Mm -hmm. There's Harry Krishnas giving out free food. There's loads of old druids, like, doing the ceremonies. What? Yeah, like, holding with the With the little like, knives. Having the whole... No, like, with the big... Oh, like big a, knife. A giant sword. <laughs> big knife. <laughs> 
Come what, with my big knife. What is a sword but a big knife? True. Or well, what is a knife but a small sword? Exactly. Yeah. How how good. Put that in the new book. <laughs> Thanks. Um, yeah. My doing, thought for the day. <laughs> they're doing the whole ceremony, so yeah. There's a lot of pagan stuff goes on on the south coast. Like they do Jack in the Green in Hastings, which is to herald like Jack of the Green is the coming of spring, and then he burns an effigy of winter. Mm-hmm. Very pagan now, sir. Yeah, yeah. I'm just saying that kind of go. stuff goes on and on and on throughout British history. Yeah. It's, it's super interesting. I got into a lot of that as like again research for a book. I read loads of stuff about like those green man carvings. Yeah. Again, none of that got into the book. <laughs> I spent fucking weeks reading about that. It's just good to know it. It's just fun, isn't it? I just like learning shit. Anyway, here's the plan. Are you ready for the grand plan? Go on. They're going to trick Mr. Vane <laughs> into a house and destroy the statue by, this is really what the plan is, <laughs> dropping some marbles on the ground so that he'll trip over them. Because I assume they just saw Home Alone. Oh my God, why is Home Alone coming up so much? Because that happened in Home Alone. Yeah, but why? Why is everything a Home Alone It's reference? been on my mind. <laughs> I've been Home Alone a lot. <laughs> I suppose it came out just before these books as well. Yeah. Anyway, that's a good point. So maybe he literally had just seen Home Alone. <laughs> so this is the plan. This is genuinely the plan that three adults have come up with. Go on. Anyway, that's what they do. And the statue just steps on the marbles and crushes them. <laughs> Fail fail so in, this is when it really i feel like there were creepy moments before this but it fully flips into the farce shark. at this yeah. point yeah so instead what they do is they trip the statue over and it hits its face against the wall and like breaks its face and then it can't see and then they destroy it you would think that druids would have planned for that <laughs> but apparently not well i think so that's what happens i think druids are misunderstood in this book. And here oh, is of course. here is my evidence. <clears throat> um, this is Mr. Vane speaking. Mr. Vane. <laughs> One day in Salisbury, down near the Henge, I went to a druid doctor. He told me that I didn't have to die. Okay. All I had to do was assist the order of druids to rebuild their temples, and in return they would use their healing powers to save my life. He demonstrated the power of his healing by placing his hand on my cheek and removing a birthmark that had troubled me all my life. I don't think that's how druids work. No. I, I know some pagans. Um, I don't believe I've ever heard of this order of du- druids. Um, I don't believe they can save people's lives. I Maybe agree. Maybe through like basic first aid or Anyone medicine do that. if mm-hmm. they're a doctor. Mm-hmm. But um, no, I, I, I find that to be quite confusing. Another thing that's misunderstood in this book. Uh, so as you said, Mr. Vane has been staying forever young by feeding people to houses. Um, and Lucy <laughs> is very angry about this and she says people are history not ghosts which I feel like fundamentally misunderstands what ghosts are because if ghosts aren't people what does she think that they are I, I also think that like just land is history I mean and yeah. buildings are history like, quite famously, buildings of history. Yeah, yeah. That's an entire subject. Well, that is very, um, I'm going to say, Anglo-centric. Oh. Us, because I know that in Iceland, for example, um, they historically built buildings from things that didn't didn't have a stone or anything, so they didn't, like, 
build houses from stone or brick they build them from like turf and things like that so the buildings don't last oh. so there's no like ancient buildings in Iceland oh. and that is why they have such a great respect for stories and books because Icelanders say well so I've heard anyway being not an Icelander that their history is in stories oh. their history is in the Eddas and in narrative and things so I don't know that much about other cultures to speak to but I'm sure that other non European, non like, non like mainland European cultures probably don't put their history in buildings. Well, no, but they might put it in the land. And yes. I'm thinking of Uluru, mm-hmm. a, yes. um, aka Esrock, where there is not, I would think it's a similar thing that like they don't really have um, buildings that stay around for a long time because it's like really harsh conditions. But Uluru is like a timeless thing. You know what I mean? Mm, yeah, yeah. Which is why they don't like white people going and fucking walking on it. Don't Which, go and walk yeah, on Uluru. Sense. Don't don't do that. You're not allowed now anyway. It's stopped. Good. I also really like saying Uluru. Uluru mm. sounds great, doesn't it? Yes. Um, okay. Also, they defeat the house. <laughs> what a sentence. They defeat the houses, in fact, and Mister Vane by using lightning. Okay. <laughs> the end. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, they set up a huge lightning rod. Lightning strikes the rod and everything will. catches on fire. And that's what happens. And then there's like a little bit of a sort of epilogue, you know, like in the horror movie when like... I was thinking you were saying epilate, like epilator. You can think that if you like. <laughs> <laughs> so then they, Courtney and Lucy and John are all like, well, what are we going to do now that our boss is dead and also <laughs> was feeding people to houses to stay forever young? Great job if you're going to do that. I mean, yeah. And they come up with this idea that I actually think is good. No, said John. I've got a better idea. Gaffs. The estate agents who tell you exactly what's wrong with a house before they sell it to you. Noisy neighbours. Subsidence. Dry rot. We don't hide anything. I fucking wish. Yep that that estate agent existed. Yep. It would be... I mean, it doesn't. Fundamentally undermined by everyone else not doing that, though. Yeah, exactly. But... Um, I don't know why I took this off you as if I was That's actually a good it. idea. Like, I feel like yeah. I would go to that estate agent because at least you know what you're getting. Because some stuff you don't really care about. Like, some people don't mind if their neighbours are noisy. I fucking do. Like, I am very, very noise sensitive. So I would pay more or, like, live further out if I could have quiet neighbours. Or the fact that there's an adverse camber on my flat. See, that doesn't bother me. We've, I mean, we're in a tenement. They're all fucking wonky, aren't they? Like, mm-hmm. But I don't really Mine's care if it's wonky. Really wonky, though. <laughs> <laughs> like, everyone cares about different stuff yeah. in their living space, right? Certain things will annoy them. Like, I don't really mind traffic noise, for example. Mm. Doesn't bother me at all. Um, but, like, the noise of neighbours, like, if neighbours have parties and stuff, I don't like that at all. I see, so. I don't, we don't, okay, we've got good neighbours, but, like, I don't mind hearing them watching film. No, no, I like that. Yeah. I like if I can just, like, you know, earlier the neighbour was playing the piano, like, yeah. I like that. That's nice. In that, in the hours. Yeah. In the normal hours. What I don't like is the fucking boys, the screaming men. No, I don't like the screaming men. The screaming men. teenagers who just fucking walk up and down the street. Why? Why must men shout so much? There are always screaming men. The eternal question. Why must men shout? <laughs> Audible must man they? spreading. Don't do it. Just keep yourself to yourself. Close your legs. We've got such good neighbours at the moment. I'm so happy. They're so I quiet. I'm leaving. Oh. I know, I'm really sad. I'll move in. I can't afford it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and there's also another little bit. Remember Uncle Robin? Uncle Monty, yeah. He was meant to smash all the druid stuff, but he hasn't. 
which sets us up for a sequel, which thankfully doesn't exist. House of Two Bones. <laughs> well, there's not just one bone in the first one. I bone. know. <laughs> House of Boneses? Can I Houses give... of Bones. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Can I give you my Parry's favourite line? Yeah. It's a fucking doozy. Go on, I'm ready. My body is ready. <clears throat> well, it's kind of a half line. Okay. And the druid spirits didn't have the power to suck in the symbol of the crucified Christ. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Which I think they've also confused with vampires. It's vampires who can't take in a cross. There's a lot of confusion about vampire mythology in these books. Paganism predated Christianity. Paganism. So it doesn't make sense that druid spirits wouldn't be able to deal with a cross. Because to them, a cross would mean absolutely fucking nothing. It would be like us being afraid of Scientology. Actually, I am afraid of Scientology. Yeah, I know. I don't think that works, really. No, it doesn't. It's, it's, <laughs> it's if, like, after us, there was a religion that kind of, like, weaponized, I don't know, the shape of a book. So no one could hold the shape of a book. You know mm. what I mean? No one could hold books. Where we'd, we'd be like, it's a fucking book. So druids wouldn't be like, oh, a cross. They'd be like, that's a cross. Yeah, doesn't really work, yeah, doesn't does really it? doesn't really work. No. Graham, you've not really properly looked into like even the basics of druids. Graham, Graham I'm not wrong. saying this is a bad book. I actually think it's quite a good book. But yeah, there's yeah. some gaps. There's some gaps. Okay, stupid names. I'm going to say, this is not a stupid name, but it's very British, which is John's friend. It's called Tez. Tez, which is yeah, definitely Terry. short for Terry. Oh no. <laughs> and I bet he sometimes gets called Tezza. Oh no. <laughs> Do you know what my nickname was at high school? Hez? Pazza. Oh. Pazuzu. Oh no. <laughs> it me. That's why I'm so scared. That's why you're scared of it. Looking into it's like looking mirror. in the mirror. <laughs> no. Oh also, Mr. Vane's name is <laughs> Have you got that? I feel like I'm gonna Google is that song. Raven Vigo Vane. <laughs> Like, of course it fucking is. Wait, wait. Culture Beat. Was that them? Mm, 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 mm. You can't play it or we'll get sued. Okay. Oh, okay. Oh, don't play it. Don't play it. Okay. Um, Okay, British things. Now, I understand that Brexit was not a thing when this book was written, but Lucy's uncle is Brexit as a human. Go on. Because his doorbell plays the White Cliffs of Dover. Oh, my God. He serves them... Battenberg cake. This is within about three lines. We've got the White Cliffs of Dover, a Battenberg cake, and then when they sit down, he offers them a poof. (laughs) (laughs) See, we're so northern that we called that a puffy. A poofy. No, a A puffy. Put your feet upon puffy. 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 I've never heard that. (laughs) Puffy. And for Battenberg, how do you. Battenberg is a it's a checkerboard cake yeah so yellow got, and pink so you've got made two different cakes in mm-hmm. fact because i know because i've made battenberg and then cut it into kind of like oblongs slash rectangles for people who've not grown up in the uk and then you have to make the like pink yellow yellow pink formation and then cover it all in marzipan well that's the problem for me i like sponge cake i don't like marzipan do you not no oh, okay. don't ever give me marzipan heather well, i'll throw to, it in your face fine no i won't Fine. I'll just, I'll politely eat it and dislike it. That is the household of a, of a trad wife. Oh no, yeah, it that, isn't. Oh, it is. No, surely trad wife would not be so old as to have Battenberg and a poofy. Uh, I think Dame Vera Lynn is probably their idol. Oh god, yes. okay, I don't like that. <laughs> 90s things. Pager. The music, right, they listen to Eels and Beck. Oh my god! So, at least he's got all right taste in music. Yeah. Um, also... The ultimate goal is a Kenwood sound system. 
as well. I see. I, I just think of Kenwood that. kettles. Yeah, but a Kenwood sound system. Which can you just picture it? It's like one of those big black stereo systems that, like, when you push the button, the CD thing comes out, and it's yeah, got the three yeah. CD changer that I spins. I had that as well. Um, someone also calls someone on their pager. Yes. My dad had a pager. Yes. <gasps> Fuck. He's and big. also, I like this. This is kind of nineties and British. At one point, they referred to the smallest room. Which means the toilet. The toilet. That's not. If someone 90s, says. That's like fifty. People wouldn't say that now, though. No, but yeah, old but people would say it the, in the '90s. The two options aren't now and the '90s. <laughs> uh, yes, <laughs> they History's fucking are. <laughs> no, no. So if someone refers to where's the smallest room, they mean the toilet. What if you've got quite a big toilet and then like really like a small coat room? I mean, technically, our smallest room is the utility room. I only Don't piss in your utility in my room. Utility room. <laughs> Please, um, no fashion or queer subtext. All the other stuff doesn't really fit in because this is not—it's not really a point horror. No. Um, is it good though? I actually really enjoyed it. I again think it's a good book. It's not really a good point horror. I think it—it it doesn't. I don't know if it gives me what I want from a point horror. I mean, it's got campy horror. That's true. It's got some misunderstood. It's more like a sort of hammer horror, don't you think? (laughs) Yeah, but it's that's because the British. Yeah. Element. That's true. Was hammer horror British? I think it was. Yeah. Oh yeah, very British. Um. Yeah, I really liked it because it is just like British, slightly older, slightly more knowing point horror. Mm -hmm. So I think all the things you like about point horror, which is the Americanness of it, I think I don't enjoy it as much as I did when I was a kid. So the novelty of it being somewhere else is a big plus. The ridiculous level of Britishness is really funny to me, and see, I read quite a lot of British horror anyway. Yeah, like because I like it. Mm. So maybe it wasn't so novel to me. Yeah, I watch a lot of like weird British horror, but mm. like you know, like the nineties British element. That was so pretty basically fun. when we. That's the culture we grew up in. So it's really funny. yeah. This was all like very familiar. Yeah, familiar territory. Um, and yeah, it's it's like a little bit scarier than point horrors. Yeah. The un- I think the Unleashed are scarier mm. than the regular flavour. The Unleashed. Yeah. Maybe What's that's called the, the Untold? The Untold Terror. Oh my god, can you hear my intestinal <gasps> tract? It's so Well, you gassy. just l- released that. Say pardon me. No, I won't. Uh, You're not the boss of me. No, that's true. I'm not happy. But you're just going to look at me. I'm just going to look at you disapprovingly over my glasses. Which is a service that others pay good money for. <laughs> is it good, bad? I mean, it oh wait, we didn't give it a number. What do you think? Four? I think I might even give it a five. Ooh, wow. Well, yeah. I'm going to give it a four. So okay. four and a half. All right. So is it good, bad? It is good, bad because people go into walls. <laughs> and it's quite silly. I feel like it, it's, a, it's quite tongue in cheek. Like it knows yeah. what it's doing. So I think a three for a good, bad. Ooh. It's not as campy as it could have been. True. Yeah, okay. I'm happy with three. But people do go into walls. They do... I mean, it's good fun. I would even maybe give it a four, then. Okay, let's go a four. You will be sad to hear this, no. Heather. <laughs> Next week, we've got to read Robotstein. Yeah. The Dead Girlfriend. Mm. And happily, I think we've almost run out of Robotstein books. Oh, my God. So we're nearly at the end of our torment. Not of his oeuvre. Because it's Because it's never ending. Because he writes books faster than we can read them. <laughs> And we read really fast. Yeah. But still, he's faster. He's just a shart artist. It's like literally crap. That out. is good. That's what he should call a his autobiography. Shart artist. <laughs> <laughs> In case people don't know what a shart is. It's where you go for a fart and you poo. Yeah. 
a shit fart. Yes. It's great. I like it. He is a shot artist. Um, <laughs> on the plus side, we will have... A, um, Aaron, sexy Kiwi Aaron, oh, yeah. reading us another uh, robot story, which yes. is a bonus. So even if you hate the book, which we almost certainly will, you'll get that at the Stick end. Stick around for that. Yeah, it's worth it. It's worth it. Okay, so if you're doing read along, the Dead Girl from by Robot Stein. In the meantime, you can find us on Twitter at teenage scream underscore and on Instagram at teenage scream pod. And if you are feeling generous and supportive, you can go to Patreon.com/slash teenage scream podcast and uh, give us a wee bit of money every month in return for a free episode and just in return for just generally being nice yeah. and a really good pin badge. That's so good. The well, pin we are badge. starting to run out. Really? Yeah, I know. Well, we'll get more. Don't we might worry. Have to do a second edition. There'll be enough, don't um, worry. And if not, if you just want to listen along with us, that is absolutely fine. Uh, you can rate and review and share and do all those things as well. But you don't have to. We just like you as you are. Come as you are. Yeah. In your wanky hanky. <laughs> Can't even bear to say anything. Well, on that note. Bye. Bye. <laughs>